This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. We are yet at the waning part of our recuperation. We just yet believe God, for He is able. We thank God for His wisdom bestowed on the earth. For without Him, we would not have the tools we have, the profession of the medical world. We know God has made all things to help us in this fight of good faith. And I thank God for his long suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Amen. There comes a time when we need to really have an introspection and to really seek the face of the Lord so that we can have the wherewithal to have a standard of comparing ourselves one singer said, you need to look in the mirror, man in the mirror. But a lot of times, you know, we are consulting with ourselves and we have to be careful with that because we were what, born and shaped in iniquity and in sin that our mothers conceive us. We need to have a reckoning with God. He's the creator, not we ourselves. We have to go in the wisdom of heaven. We are down here. God is higher than us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He has the right thoughts. For us to enter into the eternal bliss and joy of the Lord. The presence of the eternal uh, living God. We want to be with him. So we need to listen to him. Amen. Not our heart. We need to train our heart. Not be, be guided by our heart. Amen. And God needs to come in and do a cleansing. God wants to speak to us today regarding such things. And that we ought to have a renewed love for him. We need to learn how to have a better love for him. If we could work on our love for God, you know in the scripture, Jesus said everything hinges upon it. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Everything you have, everything you are, everything within you should be serving and blessing God. And that's how we show our love to him. So in Psalm 97 verse 10, we're going to be there and in Revelation 3 verses 1 through 6 as we are yet in our uh, Living Truth series. This is part two of the series and um, this part is called The Cost of Restoration. If we will be restored to the holy way of God, we have to pay some kind of price. Something has to go. When you are paying a price, something has to go. You don't leave out of the store with your same money unless you got it free. For free, right? We, we, we're not getting it for free. Jesus paid the price. And also, as a disciple of Christ, there's a cost. We must also go through, as lambs of God, through this journey of faith on this earth. It is appointed unto us all to come to an end of, the, of life on this earth. It's a negative word called death. You know, people don't want to hear about that. And, you know, we're born and we're young and we have time seemingly. And uh, we don't want to think about, you know, planning our, our plots and such things. But in the wisdom of Solomon, he said, for young people to have a better wisdom, it's better for them to go to funerals than to parties. It gives them a, a, a good perspective on life. Amen. That God is eternal, but not us. 
And we have to let every waking moment uh, show forth that, yes, we love God. If you're, if you're not doing it in a positive way, you better be doing it in a uh, reconstructive way wherein you are turning away from sin and something that's not pleasing to God and turn to him, not in shame, as far as I'm running from God and I'm too pitiful to meet God. No, we got to come in that godly sorrow that leads to repentance. It causes us to turn around. We want to get with God, so there has to be a turnaround. There's a cost. We're giving up something. We're giving up that which is a torment, a reproach, that which is unseemly. Bible calls it downright evil, wicked ways. Wow. We, if we are the people of God and we bear his name, we have to approach him if we're going to have a relationship with him. Isn't that right? So look, look at Psalm 97, verse 10. It says, ye that love the Lord. So the audience has already been established. Ye that love the Lord. He's telling us to do something. Hate evil. We got to what? Hate evil. There's so much evil in the world. Parts of it we don't really hate yet, which is why we're stumbling on things. We got to come to that hate you could be a custard and given um, doctrines wherein something that is a hurtful thing becomes something you like. And you, you have grown up to like something that's hurting you. Such is the case of people under an abuser. They may not know they're being abused. Sometimes the abuser makes it as if it's a good thing. But the devil is not only an accuser of the brethren, he's an abuser. And we have to learn uh, who the enemy is. It is not God. It is him, the devil. Amen. Amen. We have to learn to hate evil. Mm -hmm. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. Talking about the Lord. He's, he's a preserver of our souls, of the inward parts of, our, of, of who we are. And uh, he preserves, see, he preserves the souls of his, of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. He can deliver. Look at Revelation 3 now, verses 1 through 6. Uh, this letter is a prophecy unto a certain church now. We will see the name of it in verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. It really should say in our grammar, but you're dead. You may have a certain thing you're testifying about, that you're proclaiming, but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast. You gotta hold on to what you have been taught, right? Remember your teaching, as Mother Norris used to tell her daughters. Lisa told me stories about that. Remember your teaching. Amen. Amen. Uh, so the scripture is saying right here, the things you received and heard, hold fast. That means hold on to them. Don't let them go. 
should be like glue. Amen. And, and, and repent. Turn away from that which is trying to come upon you. Right? That's contrary to that teaching. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. See, the Bible is always saying watch and pray. We don't just pray. We've got to watch too. Got to be on guard. Amen. And judge every spirit by the word of God. It's knocking on the door of your mind, your heart, right? Your soul. And a lot of times we're immature in certain areas and proclivities in our persona and we easily fall in certain areas, in certain areas. And uh, the devil knows that. But we need to cry out to God the most simple childlike prayer. Help me, God. You may not know a lot of theology. Help me, God, in Jesus' name. Say that. They used to say that in the 70s. Have mercy, you know. But they didn't really mean it. They weren't praying to God. They were, you know, about to slip and they knew they were going to slip and they just, they, they, they just were going to slip, you know. <laughs> but we're trying not to fall. Amen. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to put our soul in the hands of him who will what? Keep us from falling. Mm -hmm. It's easy to fall, though, because if we're, you know, just giving into our feelings and uh, our, we're all into our body and the chemistry of the body. And the thoughts of our intellect, you know, that's the soulish realm stuff, you know, and, and we have some pride mixed in there. You know, we're entitled. So we go on ahead and do something of whatever our feelings are instructing for us to do. And never mind the spirit man. If you have been born again, you have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit and he brought life to your spirit. You're not still born anymore. You are alive in Jesus and we ought to live by the spirit. You who love the Lord and, and worship God must worship him, what? In spirit. He regenerated our spirit for such a thing that we could meet him and pray and communicate and commune with him. Not just talking and communication, but communing, living according to his standard and will. And a lot of times we can forego that and just stick to what our body and our soul is saying. But we need to work so that Jesus can work his way in do works of faith, let Jesus work in and let him work it out. Let him get that stuff out that doesn't belong there and put it on lockdown and help us to walk forward in the might and, and, and joy of the Lord, the strength of the Lord. This is what the scripture is trying to teach us. Jesus is coming back as a thief in the night and we, we won't be ready. Such as an hour as that he's going to come upon us, he said, if you're not watching, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And not allowing God to come in and do what he came to do. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, he's talking to this church, which have not defiled their garments. Some haven't. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Very important right there. Mm -hmm. Everybody's in there, but some have chosen to have their name blotted out. He said, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Thank God. Remember in the scripture, they tried to cast out the devil and they weren't saved. and They weren't commissioned by God. The apostles were. But this man who wanted to have the power that the apostles had without going through the cost of restoration, the enemy, Satan and his demons, said that they knew the apostles but this man they knew not of and they ripped him to shreds my god you got to be commissioned by god 
you can't just have some hocus pocus religious kind of you know superstitious ooh, power on you that's not what anointing is yes anointing is the gracious presence and overcoming power of god but it is also a commissioning of god when he anoints you he commissions you he gives you uh step in orders a command to go forward in a certain way according to the giftings he has placed in you we can't copycat other people we have to go as god has sent us amen, amen. so this scripture is showing how god has commissioned some folk they were obedient to him they got the anointing the instruction and he sent them forth to do what he commissioned for them to do and they had white raiment they had a holy way of life amen mm -hmm. and he said i will not blot out his name out of the book of life but i will confess his name before my father and before his angels see heaven knows you you're in the who's who of heaven and in the who's who of hell because the devil gonna know you amen and it says here, lastly, he that hath an ear, that means you, you've been awakened up to the spiritual call. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to be done in the Spirit. What the Spirit saith unto the churches. Saith means he's saying things to the churches. He's connected with us if we are connected in him. And he's saying things. He's giving instructions. A rhema word is always coming forth. People are saying, I don't hear God. God is not speaking anymore. Maybe you're disconnected. You got to plug in. Amen. So, yes, this, this message marks the season of spiritual cultivation that the Lord has made for the benefit of our souls. We must not look left or right and strictly depend upon his redeeming power both day and night, especially at night. My God. But a lot of times TV, they're showing all kind of evil stuff during the day now. doesn't matter. The spiritual and moral decline that we are surrounded by in today's postmodern world cannot harm us if we do the following thing. It's the title of this message. Stay in the Lord's shelter of holy discipline. So we're looking at a housing a covering and metaphorically we're looking at God's holy discipline look in the word discipline and we see a root part of a word that is used in the word disciple disciples have the discipline of the Lord in other, in other words the instruction of the Lord he guides and guards their steps keeps them from falling how keeping them proactively aware of what's right there uh, at their footstep and what's yonder amen as the path is coming you have to be aware you have to know uh what to do ahead of time god will instruct you uh the self-same hour as the scripture puts it and for ahead of time give you wisdom so, yes, we need to stay in that realm of safety. It's a shelter for our very being, if you will. The key word today, yes, is discipline. We all should heed the psalmist's wise words. You who love the Lord, do what? Hate evil. From Psalm 9710 that we read earlier. This is the ministry of Jehovah Rohi. And God as Jehovah Rohi is the Lord, our what? Shepherd. That's from Psalm 23, 1. 
He is supposed to be the shepherd of what? Our soul. When we think of soul, think of all the things in the soul, your mind, your emotions, you know, your ambitions, your intellect, your will, all of that is your soul. The seat of your emotions, your soul. God in his grace forgives us as sinners, taking our soul under his wing of protection, but in his government. Why? Because he's a king. Kings have what? Kingdoms. Kings are regal, right? They have regulations, right? So why does he have this government? Because sin has entered the world. God is yet holy. He came to eradicate sin, also to punish sin. We don't want sin in our being because he's coming to do what? Punish sin. Is he coming personally to punish us? No, he's coming to what? Punish sin. If you got sin in you, you are sinful and you're going to have, have to, you know, go through the uh, punishment. So every day, I, I'm, every waking moment, amen, if any during the day I stumble somehow because we all have proclivities and we don't want to go through all that right now, but amen. Oh, you know who you are in God. I hope you should not, amen, ignore who you are in God, uh, whether you're weak in certain areas, strong in other areas, whatever, whatever, whatever. Know who you are in God. Let's not think more highly of ourselves, what, than we ought to. We have to come humbly before God. He said, if you are my people called by my name, you got to do what? Humble yourself. Don't think you're God. Don't think you have nothing else, you know, to have corrected. I've arrived. There's nothing deeper I need to go into God into. There's no higher height in God. No. Wow. So you've arrived. We can't think that way. God is so high we can't go over him. We need God to lift us up. He's the what? Lifter up of your head. He's also the lifter up of our feet out of muddiness. Amen. Plants our feet on what? Solid ground. Lord, plant my feet what? On solid ground. He's got to do it. We can't make our own selves holy. He makes us holy. He transforms us. We seek for him to do that. We're talking about getting into the Lord's shelter of holy discipline. He has discipline for us. So the judgment that is upon the earth, it may seem cruel to us in our own earthly minds. But as the people in Moses' day rebelled, so are people today listening to rebellious spirits, even though they have been warned against idolatry and willful disobedience to God. Do you remember uh, in the scripture, God's conversation with Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus 32? And Jesus was there, that was him actually, and he had a discussion about blotting out names, his Lamb's book of life, my God, and some preachers and theologians are at odds with that. Sometimes because they have locked in on certain uh, man-made philosophies, which they like to call theology. It's not a theos. <laughs> it's an earthos. I made up my own. I call it earthos. Amen. <laughs> because it's of our own earthly mind. And we try to put that in scripture. But God, amen, has his way. His ways are not our ways. We have to attain towards God's ways. We have to submit to God. Let him teach us, not us try to teach God. When we change the Bible, we're what? Trying to teach God. 
We're not in the shelter of his holy discipline then. We're trying to make a little shelter and keep God in there, imprison him. But we need to amen. Let God be God and his enemies be scattered. We need not be his enemy. We need not act like these fallen cultures around us as the people did in the day of Moses. God came, amen, and he was holy, 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 and he still is holy, holy, holy. My God, and the sin in the people caused them to, to reap the wages of sin. What is the wages of sin? Death. See, apparently God has to teach us not to act like the fallen cultures around us at times in our life. Israel had to remain a separate people. That's what God was teaching them. Or God could not work out his great purposes through them for the whole world. And, and this is no different for the grafted new creation called our modern day church, the church of Jesus. We are supposed to be the peculiar, in other words, the special sanctified people called, you know, after the name of Christ. And we were first called Christians, the people of Christ, Christians in Antioch in the ancient day. The people called them Christians. They didn't call themselves Christians. They, the people around them looked at how they were acting and how they were following the teachings of Christ and started calling them those Christ people, those Christians. A lot of times we're calling ourselves Christians, but we have redefined what a Christian is. Let others esteem you, not ye your own self, says the word of God. What does the world call you? How does the world treat you. I saw a Christian movie recently called Play the Flute. You're either playing the flute or uh, the flute is being played to you. Is the devil playing a flute and making his music draw you in? Or are you drawing others by playing the flute of God, the gospel message out of your life and having them come to you? Amen. It's either one or the other. My God. But God needs us to live right so that his name can be glorified. In other words, people are going to call you what they would call God almost. They're looking at your character. And they, they may not like you, but they what? Will respect you. My God. But sometimes we idolize being liked over the uh, cost of restoration wherein we have to forego the pleasures of sin so that we could save our soul. We want to be liked too much today. We have left the uh, shelter of God's holy discipline, my God. But God is seeking for souls to hear him, right, and speak with him. Some people are saying they can't hear God. They have not, amen, come to the right posture in their persona to hear God. They that worship him must worship him in the soul. Is that what the Bible says? No. Worship with the body only? That is that what the Bible says? No. Worship him in what? Spirit. You may say that's not fair. But God said he will pour out his spirit, what? On all flesh. So it is fair. We have been given opportunity, but we have not, amen, made good of the opportunity. We have to come before him humbly and ask and seek. He said, if you seek my face, amen, he's going to let you find him. Amen. He's not going to play hide and seek. You're calling on him. He's going to what? Answer. That's right. Amen. So we got to learn how to hear God. We got to learn how to speak with him, not just at him. Speak with him. It's a bi-directional conversation. You speak, then be quiet and let him 
answer how he is. Don't tell him to hurry up. I got somewhere to go. No, you need to be sit sitting there and waiting for the Lord. And again, I say what? Wait on the Lord. That's why you need a sustained rendezvous with the Lord. We need yeah. time with the Lord. He don't move how we move. That's right. It's not some microwave God. Mm -hmm. He's not some CD player. You can go right to the next song. My God, he's more like an eight track. You got to hear the whole thing. You missed it or you're going to have to listen again. <laughs> he's somewhat like that. So you got to learn how to hear him on his terms, my God, and stop just performing empty religious acts that we think are pleasing him when they do not please him at all. He told the people in the ancient day they were worshiping him. He said, I don't even want to hear your hymns. I don't want to see that same old service you're doing, uh, honoring me, you know, with the harvest and thanking me for the harvest. You don't even mean that. Your heart's not even in it. I, I, I see your lips moving, but your heart is somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So their worship was a waste of time. So what are you saying, preacher? We don't, we don't need to have church if we're not saved? No, you need to come even more so. We used to tell people back in the day, yeah, something you're not right, you don't need this communion. No, we need to be telling folks, come on and get right so you can have this communion. Amen? Stop scaring folk away from the communion and help them in loving kindness draw them in for the communion was made for them, amen, that they get right. Jesus said, they who are not sick do not need a physician, amen, but they that are sick need it. We need to call the sick on in so they can get healed. And the problem is a lot of us are sick, and we don't want to preach that part of the Bible. We're going to say everybody's okay, I'm okay, you're okay. And this is why the presence of God has left the building as we preached last time. And when we don't have God in the building, what else is not in the building? His altar. Which is why people don't feel the, the need to get right. My God, my God. You see, there's a difference between feigned fellowship and true fellowship. You can fake it. Amen. But you won't make it. Jesus said he's coming back as a thief. We're not going to be ready. He's going to come when we, you know, least expect an importune moment, uh, inconvenient time. And he's going to come. Boom. And we're not going to be ready. We're going to think we can shake ourselves like Samson used to do uh, when he thought the anointing was just going to come back and he could lift the gate again. But he did the wrong thing. He went against the teaching, left out of the shelter of holy discipline, and now he's out there and the devil could wreak havoc on him. We don't want to be in that spot, people of God. My God. And why do people have feigned fellowship in the first place? Does this happen because there are too many other uh, more important cares in their life? Or perhaps there, uh, there are egoistic, competitive ambitions that are taking over in their soul? Whatever the case, unfortunately, our ability to genuinely love others and love God the way we ought to tends to become an alienated event. Nevertheless, the Word of God reveals how he demands our attention, offering a mindset that will prioritize his gracious presence. Last time we talked about the presence of God. It needs to be a prioritized thing. Think about it when you've messed up in times past. Uh, was God's presence being prioritized? No. It probably was something with our soulish realm or our body, right? As that old satanic worship song, I should say more modern satanic worship song, is talking about the body, the body, the body. I love your body. And we love our bodies because we pry and fry our bodies and, 
You know, we're all in the mirror, man in the mirror, man in the mirror. My God. But we need to look in the Bible mirror and let our soul be, you know, standardized by the heavens command of what holy discipline is. Because if you do it in and of yourself, you're letting your heart lead you. And don't forget, your heart was born and shaped in iniquity. Uh, it was God that made us, not we ourselves. We need to seek God while we got a chance. While the window of opportunity is open, amen. Cast out the soulless round mirror and let's look for the word of God. Amen. Let's hear the voice of God. Every word that what? Proceeds out of the mouth of God. His spirit will show you revelation from the word. Just pray a prayer of faith and then go into the word of God and watch him teach you. You got to have faith for it. Amen. He'll do it. He's still talking. Amen. 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 The word of God reveals how he demands our attention. We got to get it, though. Do you work for all your environments to prioritize his presence? Are you doing that in your room, in your house, in your car, at work, at school? My God, even at work, you know what people will change. I have some people who are ardent, uh, profane lip folk at my job and other places around town. Uh, they get to know you and stay around you enough. If you are prioritizing God's presence, guess what? They're going to start changing. Someone said, you know, they apologize. They say, I, I shouldn't be using this language around you. They went forth to find some type of other word that wasn't as foul. Isn't that something? Will God change the environment? Yes, he will. Amen. We have to have that ongoing good fight of faith in our spirit, though, for that to happen. But unfortunately, due to our modern lifestyles, how often do we find ourselves treating others and treating God and even ourselves ourselves with just the opposite or close to it? God's presence isn't prioritized. And then we're going to fall into uh, outer darkness where we're groping about and trying to find our own way. But Jesus said he will be the one that leads you. Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. He can lead you. But if you're in your own flesh, you have told God, no, I want to find it my own way. But in this message, we are being summoned by the Holy Spirit for a revival, a reawakening of quality time with God. The fire of such a revival can be best kindled when we review three revival disciplines of the spirit right quick and we'll be done. Solitude, say that. Solitude. Silence. And what? Prayer. Prayer. Amen. We need those three. Solitude, silence, prayer. These disciplines will make us become hot coals of holiness if we submit and commit to them. When we get together for revival as a church, not just a, you know, a business as usual type of revival meeting, there will be an effectual corporate fervency, a warmth, a hotness in the Holy Ghost that will cause a mighty breakthrough as we maintain our fellowship with God by reclaiming territory the enemy stole or he's in the process of stealing because he could be trying to steal it. He got a plan, y'all. And we could dwarf him. Amen. We got to reclaim territory. We got to clean up our reputation that the enemy is determined to destroy. And restore our spirit as we are given life and power from God's Holy Spirit. 
Now let's look at these three main disciplines of the Holy Spirit. Number one, solitude. Seek the Lord while he what? May be found. Seek him while he may be found. Matthew 14, 22 and 23. Uh, you should jot it down so you don't forget. Matthew, Matthew 14, 22 and 23. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. He said, y'all go on ahead of me. I'll catch up. While he sent the multitudes away, he even sent all the people and thronged him. Feed us again. Heal me again. Touch me again. Oh, I want Can I touch you? Him? Oh, help me. He said, oh, y'all go home. Go home. Go home. Ain't nothing to see. Paparazzi, go home. Disciples, what? Us? Yeah, you go too. Sent them all away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to goof around and to... Uh, what's the thing we do? Streaming things down. Oh, let the Netflix come on down. Stream it on down. Oh, stream it on down. <laughs> come on, let the Hulu come on down. Hey, was Jesus doing that? No, he went apart, the scripture said, to what? Play. Oh, pray. I better read that right. It's clean my glasses. He went apart to pray. What? And when the evening was come, because it was in the daytime when he sent them sun was still up then the evening came and he was there with a lot of people what the scriptures say he was there all alone with god the spirit of god can help you take a good godly look at yourself so that eventually you look at others and look at god differently unfortunately today's culture and lifestyle does not always support time to reflect in this manner we're in a hurry, right? Sometimes in a hurry to be a vegetable in front of the idiot box, as we used to call it. The one-eyed demon, as the old folks at church used to call it. We need to make spaces for solitude, as Jesus did. Get along with God. And you can help the body by spicing up the environment by singing. Amen. Sing your favorite gospel song, a hymn. You may not do it out loud. At least do it in your mind and in your heart. Amen. Do that for a good time. The Holy Ghost will let you know. And then there will come a time of silence. And then he will lead you to pray. He'll lead you to pray because that song I pray will convict your heart in such a way that the Lord will bring back to your memory things you said or done. Thought that were wrong and you'll start repenting. Why? Because godly sorrow will come and it will lead to repentance. The Holy Ghost said he's going to do the job of God. He's coming to seek and save whatever is lost, right? He's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all do what? Come to repentance. He's going to make you go to the place of repentance now. He's going to lead you there. And then he's going to make you over. That's where make comes. <laughs> he's going to lead you. You can say yes or no. You're never going to get delivered if you keep saying no, slowing down and hindering the process. Say yes. The deeper you get with God, watch him work. You get real with God. He's going to become more real to you. Watch him work. Amen. Amen. He did it for Jesus. He'll do it for you. Get alone with God. And he's going to put you in the, in the right frame of mind. See, Jesus did it like that. Nevertheless, not my will, but what? Thy will be done. Thank God. 
we, we need to make space for God. And you know, Jesus got alone with God in prayer. It's the getting alone in the right frame of mind that's the challenge. Let the Holy Ghost come in and transform you by the renewing of your mind. That's only number one, solitude. Are you going to take time to get some solitude in with God this week? My God. Number one, solitude. Number two, silence. Silence is hard these days. This world is a noisy world. You got highways and airports all around. Things whirring and hovering. You know, flying all around. And vacuum cleaners and everything. Well, some of y'all got the vacuum cleaner on. That's another myth. But it's hard to be silent, real silent today. Number two, silence. We got to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord on the inside. We may turn off things in our environment outside of our soul, but inside, in our mind, there could still be a great clamor. Things we're thinking about. Things we're worried about, things we're angry about, things we're overjoyed about, anxious about, all the thoughts whirring around, whirling around, swimming around in our soul. That's not silence. But Psalm 62.1 may give us an idea. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. So when you're in that silent place, God is now seeing if you really want him. He's a person. You know, God has a person. He's got a personality. And uh, he likes for you to listen. He likes to get a word in edgewise, too. So if we could quiet our soul down, stop telling them stuff, stop fussing about stuff, stop petitioning, stop rallying, stop, stop, stop. Amen. And just let him come in and soothe you. He's going to do that first. Soothe you. Calm you down. Then he's going to whisper something real good. And it's going to be just what you need. He, don't, he doesn't always say a whole lot. He does a whole lot with a little bit. And that little bit could saturate your whole being and turn you around for the better. Amen. It's called devotional silence. I coined that phrase from what I saw in the word of God. Devotional silence is better sustained by devotional solitude. We have to not just be quiet and alone, but with a purpose from heaven, a biblical purpose. Sometimes we have more faith to wait confidently for a bus or a train than we could wait on God. Can you live without external and internal temple noise long enough? To really hear what God has to say, can you? It can be done. You have to make time for quiet time. One of my favorite songs from Andre Crouch was Quiet Time. It's those moments when I tell you I love you and you tell me that you love me too. Quiet time. My God. God wants us to get alone with him. Ah, uh, what's that gospel singer? Just me and you alone in the room. People carnal was thinking something else, but she's talking about the Lord. Amen. Getting along with the Lord. Amen. So God wants us to get along with him. You know, and when we shut out the noise of hindrance, we can better engage the heavens for a mighty breakthrough in prayer. There's 
levels of silence. There's a silence of inquiry when we read God's word and let it saturate our soul. There's a silence of faith when we allow God's love to take away our fears. Imagine that. There's going to be a level, I hope you could get there, a level uh, where there's a silence of introspection. When we mentally interrogate our own motives and goals in the light of Christ's expectations, nevertheless, not what our will be done, but what thy will be done. I hope you could get to this level, the silence of intensity. When a worship leader like our pastor Lisa directs our prayer thoughts, because prayer could be in song. Like when the worship leader directs our prayer thoughts, focusing them like unified lasers with one accord. God needs us to be intense like that. One in the spirit, one in the Lord. Not apart from the Lord, not doing our own will and slapping God's label on it. No, we don't do that. <laughs> Nevertheless, not my will, but what your will be done. We got to get to that. That's that silence of intensity. I hope you could get to this level, the last one. Silence of amazement. That's when you just stand in awe of God. All he is, all he can do, all he has done. When we struggle to comprehend God's magnificence, Christ's love, and the Spirit's gentle counsel, we could just stand or kneel there or lay there before God in amazement. And what a joy to be still, stay still. And know that he is God, the real God of all. Amen. The most high God. Hallelujah. You got to get there. We've been there a few times in worship where we don't even need sounds of instrumentation anymore. People are barely talking and just letting the Holy Ghost come in. Let's try it for five seconds. Kind of painful, right? Y'all was like, you need to hurry up and talk. We got to learn how to stay there. I've been there for hours, especially in all night prayers. My God, sometimes you would hope that lady next to you would stop that same irrobobo shuttle and she need to clean the needle on her record. She keeps saying the same tongue over and over. My God, maybe she should have listened so the Lord could go to the next sentence in the spirit language. Amen. But sometimes that could be a hindrance to your prayer. Amen. There's a corporate meeting prayer that will be helpful. But a lot of times for God to get to you, you need to go on detention away from everybody and be with God by yourself. Amen. Yes, God says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He's got a corporate blessing, but he also has this level where he talks to you. Most of the time, people come to church looking for the church to do something for them. And they haven't done anything for God yet. God wants you to come to church and see what you could do for him. Get together with others and how can we get this thing done together? That's what the church is about. And God will pour in his anointing in that corporate meeting. And we could gain better insight of God and who we are in the grand scheme of things. God helps us to understand him as we are connected with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Doing the work of the Holy Spirit. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism working in all. And he helps us to see the great perspective of God in that. 
Let's get to number three. We're kind of there already. Prayer. Yes, prayer. A time to what? Fuss at God and fuss about other folk. Is that what it is? Yell at God, command God, beg God. But really, it's just simply this. A time to exchange our will for God's mm. prayer. Mm -hmm. In Matthew 10, 37 through 39, it describes the attitude needed. And we're going to be done. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Huh? I got to hate my mother and my father? Hold up. That's not what he's saying. He also went on. He said, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Uh-oh. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He's not saying go to the jewelry store and buy a cross and hang it around your neck. That's not what he's saying. It's the experience of fighting the good fight of faith in the faith of everyone going against God. You're yet loving God with your whole heart, mind, body, soul, and everything you own, your substance, and whoever you are. My God, body, soul, strength, and uh, everything within me. Loving God, even in the face of everyone not doing it. Are you going to love God like that? In other words, God wants us to get close and personal with him. Did he make your significant other? Yes. Did he make your mother and father? Yes. Mothers and fathers, did he make your children? Yes. We got to love God more than these other things, other people. My God, it's mandatory for true discipleship that we get close and personal with God. Take up your cross and follow after him. Do what he's, you know, teaching for us to do. He shows us how to live, how to think, how to talk, how to act. He shows us. He gives us of his spirit, enabling us to respond correctly. It's not always reactions all the time. But we have to think. God wants us to be thinkers. And thinking, especially in, in Philippians 4, he tells us what to think on. You know, holy, righteous things, praiseworthy things. Thank God we don't try to build up so people get mad and, and, and sinfully angry. We're not doing that. No, we're trying to be peacemakers. Sometimes peacemakers have to say things that are holy, that may make folk get uh, hot under the collar. They may not like it. But the kind of peace God is talking about is peace for your soul to be right with God. That's the kind of peacemakers. It's not just being you know, one that appeases everyone so that everyone's quiet. We're making everybody happy. That's not what a peacemaker is. The holy peacemaker is not that. Amen. We want people to be what? At peace with God. They may not like the things of God, but they got to respect it. Amen. And at least close their mouth from cussing around you until you leave the room. Amen. <laughs> My God. And God, amen, even though you leave the room, God's still going to be there. And guess what? He's going to speak to them. He's going to get on their nerves. Amen. Until they say yes or no to God. He's trying to get them to say what? Yes or no. What is it going to be? A right relationship with him? Or you just want to do whatever you want to do? My God. But, but God wants us now to allow him to make us who we're supposed to be according to his eternal destiny for us. Amen. And he's not going to hurt us. He's going to help us to be who we are. 
to be the true disciples we're supposed to be. What have we talked about? Thanks be to God who graciously moves us to become true representatives of his glory. You want to be a true representative of his glory through and through? Devotional what, what, and what? We need devotional solitude, silence, and prayer. Amen? Those will move us now, even in our physical body, away from the clamor and glamour of the culture. Uh, such spiritual discipline is God's way of ministering to our mind and our spirit. Amen. And tell the body what it needs to do. Today's mindfulness, that's the buzzword out there, mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness. Today's mindfulness is self-centered and it's void of heaven's holy counsel. It is not based on the living truth of God's holy word. They're trying to instill this in the classroom now. And I have worked around it in such a way to help them to know uh, how to get along with others. It's not just based on what you think life is all about. But what is that going to cause others to go through? Now you do that and how's this other person going to live? You know, and then... Sometimes we can avert war in the classroom when people are more altruistic instead of self-centered. Amen. Thinking more highly of others than your own self. See, that's the God way. Mindfulness won't do that. You're the most important thing here. We got churches pulling for people to do that in their own so-called worship services. That's the mindfulness way. But that's not the Lord's way. God is also searching that we will come to him. And when we get around him, we're going to notice a great silence. God doesn't have to say a lot. The silence that can be accomplished in the sanctified environment of biblically based devotional solitude provides the intense focus needed to become one who has now come to learn how to commune with God. Not just you saying things to God, but allowing him to say things to you. Communicate with him and to walk in his spirit. That's the communing part. It's like he's clothed you and filled you with him. And you're walking with him. You're communing with him. He wants to really hear from who you really are. Not that religious puppet self. Not that seal at sea world trained self. Arf, arf, arf. I know how to say hallelujah on cue. No. Who are you? You know? The more real we are with God, the more real he becomes to us as his gracious personhood is revealed to us in a greater way. Until that happens, we are just spinning our wheels, going nowhere swinging our fists and hitting only the air and ever learning but never coming into the knowledge of the truth the capital t truth and his name is jesus he's the living truth amen spiritual progress is of the essence here church the redemptive grace of jesus gives us encouragement and divine order to move forward in our journey of faith he causes us to be proactive, think ahead, progressive, change how God will have you change. 
prosperous. God will give you what you need for the journey ahead. Amen. And to live right now. And he'll make you prepared. My God. Uh, they say heaven's a prepared place for prepared people. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, tried and true. Amen. Pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living what? Sanctuary, Lord, for you. Father God, as we pray, we need a stronger faith today, God, to seek after and rest assured in your presence. Help us. You want us to seek your face, and you will be a rewarder of them that diligently that keep seeking you faithfully my god allowing you to revive us we're dormant in certain areas we've stopped and slowed down in certain areas pertaining to a right relationship with you so we need you to come in breathe freshly a breath of life so that we will be revived in those areas god help us through having a holy spirit led solitude with you a Holy Spirit-led silence in your presence. And a Holy Spirit-led prayer. And we need to experience your redeeming power, Father God, as only you can and will. We know you're able. We trust you, God, in Jesus' matchless name. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church Pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.